Hey everyone, before we get started, I just want to let you know that this show is made possible by Anchor.fm. It's a free podcast hosting service. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer, and you don't need any fancy equipment, and Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on all the platforms like Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more. And the best part is you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. So download the free Anchor app today or go to anchor.fm to get started. Good morning and welcome to News Me, a digestible rundown of the stories you need to know every morning. Whether you're commuting to work or enjoying a cup of coffee at home, we've got you covered on the latest. I'm Jamie, Editor-in-Chief of Scriber, and I'll be one of your anchors. In every segment, you'll also get to hear from Scriber correspondent and independent journalist George Ventura in The Ventura Report for a debriefing on foreign affairs. Don't forget to subscribe to our newsletter on scribernews.com and share this newscast with your friends. Let's get started. Today is Veterans Day, Monday, November 11th, 2019. In the headlines this week, the Supreme Court will decide the future of DACA, the Black Voices for Trump coalition launches, Trump is set to release a second Ukraine phone call transcript. Meanwhile, the whistleblower lawyer sends the White House a cease and desist letter. And former New York mayor and billionaire Michael Bloomberg shakes up the 2020 race and announces his candidacy on the Democratic ticket. Starting with the most important story you should know about today, the decision on whether the Obama-era DACA program will continue or be terminated will fall before the Supreme Court tomorrow. In 2017, Trump signed an executive order to end the program and close all new applications. Existing DACA work authorization cards remained valid but were not permitted for renewal. DACA was a pivotal program since its 2012 inception under the Obama administration and protected hundreds of thousands of undocumented immigrant children who came to the country illegally with their parents. The Supreme Court will hear arguments for the program's continuation on Tuesday, and the outcome could spark energy among the Democrats in the upcoming election if the program is ruled viable. In January 2018, USA Today reported that the Migration Policy Institute, a nonpartisan nonprofit think tank that studies global immigration patterns, found there were 3.6 million dreamers living in the U.S. In October, President Trump tweeted that President Obama said that he did not have the right to sign DACA, that it will never hold up in court. He signed it anyway. If the Supreme Court upholds DACA, it gives the president extraordinary powers far greater than ever thought. If they do what is right and do not let DACA stand with all of its negative legal implications, the Democrats and Republicans will have a deal to let them stay in our country in very short order. It would actually benefit DACA and be done the right way. 
Although the Supreme Court will hear arguments on the program tomorrow, a decision is not expected until next spring. The Trump campaign launched Black Voices for Trump over the weekend in Atlanta in an effort to rally more of the Black vote in 2020. In 2016, Trump garnished more votes from Black neighborhoods than Mitt Romney in 2012, polling at about 8% of the total Black vote, while Hillary Clinton polled 88%. Trump addressed Black conservatives at the campaign's launch and pointed to his criminal justice reform bill, the First Step Act, that was signed into law last year and investments into opportunity zones in urban areas, and $360 million into historically black colleges, which is more than any other president, according to documents from the Department of Education. Trump also gave credit to the Republicans and bashed Democrats for voting against opportunity zones for black citizens. To revitalize distressed neighborhoods, we created 9,000 opportunity zones. Tim Scott of South Carolina was incredible on that including 26 right here in Atlanta. Eight million African Americans live in Opportunity Zones, yet every Democrat voted against giving these black citizens the future they deserve. The Republicans got it passed. Not easy. We had no votes from Democrats. And now the Democrats are saying we made a big mistake, but they're never going to admit that publicly, I can guarantee you. But they were totally against it. Amid the Democratic-led impeachment inquiry, Trump announced he will release a second phone call transcript tomorrow. The new transcript with President of Ukraine, Volodymyr Zelensky, is from April, a call that occurred prior to the whistleblower's report on the July phone call. They want to have a transcript of the other call, the second call, and I'm willing to provide that, Trump told reporters before boarding Air Force One on Saturday. Trump has continuously called the impeachment inquiry a hoax and that there was no quid pro quo in the transcripts. House Republicans submitted a list to Democrats earlier Saturday of witnesses they'd like to testify as part of the chamber's impeachment inquiry into Trump and Ukraine. They requested testimonies from the whistleblower, former Vice President Joe Biden's son Hunter Biden, and former U.S. Special Envoy for Ukraine Kurt Volker, including others. The Democrats have doubled down, with Congressman Adam Schiff saying the whistleblower's testimony would be redundant and unnecessary in a letter to the California rep, Devin Nunes, on Saturday. Meanwhile, the whistleblower's lawyer sent a cease and desist to the White House counsel. The lawyer, Andrew Bacage, pointed to an incident in September when Trump said the whistleblower was almost a spy. In the letter, Bacage said, Let me be clear. Should any harm befall any suspected named whistleblower or their family, the blame will rest squarely with your client. Also circulating in headlines, Michael Bloomberg, former New York mayor, billionaire, and the CEO of Bloomberg, announced his run for president under the Democratic ticket in the 2020 election. Bloomberg believes he can beat President Trump next year and that the current Democratic candidates are not strong enough to do it. He won't qualify for the next debate in Atlanta approaching on November 20th, and he will likely have to spend millions of dollars in the next few weeks to catch up and make the debate stage in December, which could potentially set a record high for campaign spending in such a short amount of time. This likely won't be a problem for the billionaire, whose wealth sits at about $52 billion. Now that you're all caught up, I'll hand it over to the Ventura Report for updates from around the world.
On Sunday, Bolivian President Evo Morales resigned to ease the violence that has erupted throughout the country after weeks of violent protesters, accusing Morales of election fraud. Morales is claiming he is a victim of a coup and made a televised resignation after the military called him to step down. In October, Morales claimed victory in the presidential election despite reports of fraud. The turning point occurred on Friday when small groups of the police broke away from the government and began joining the protesters. It isn't clear who's in charge in Bolivia because the vice president has resigned, also the Senate president and the head of the lower house. Morales stayed in presidency longer than any other current head of state in Latin America. He was the first indigenous president elected in Bolivia. Mexican foreign secretary wrote on Twitter that the country would offer asylum to Morales if he asked for it. Morales said in a statement on Twitter that the police were seeking to arrest him illegally and that violent groups had assaulted his home. Morales was seeking his fourth consecutive presidential term. In 2016, Morales used his loyalists in the constitutional courts to get rid of the original two-term limit in Bolivia. Two people are in critical condition after another day of violent protests in Hong Kong. Of the two people, one of them was a protester who was injured on Monday after he was shot by a police officer, making it the third person shot by a police officer since the rallies began 24 weeks ago. A pro-Beijing supporter was doused in flammable liquid and set alight after arguing with protesters. Monday's violence followed a weekend of vigils and protests after a 22-year-old student protester died on Friday. There was also reports on police firing rubber bullets at the Chinese university in response to protesters throwing bricks. Protesters used barricades to block roads in various places, leading to traffic jams on Monday. Anti-government protests continue in Chile for a third week that has left 2,000 people injured and at least 20 people dead. A Chilean police major was arrested after shooting two students during a school protest. The police major was arrested by detectives on Thursday and was charged with illegally discharging his shotgun inside a public school. The arrest came a day after prosecutors announced that 12 other police officers were under investigation for allegedly beating a 55-year-old man and allegations that officers had raped and sexually abused detained protesters. At least three soldiers have been arrested so far for shooting protesters. The government of Chile declared state of emergency in October after vandalism and violence broke out in the capital of Chile after the government announced rising public transportation costs. It has also been reported that the protests have caused $1.5 billion in damages in Chile's property. Chile's president, Sebastian Pinera, held a meeting with heads of armed forces, Supreme Court, and Congress for an urgent meeting on national security and called for emergency legislation to increase prison sentences for protesters who wear masks, build barricades, or destroy property. The United States has called on Iraq's government to stop using violence against protesters to reform its electoral system and to hold early elections after weeks of unrest which security forces have killed nearly 300 protesters. The protests began on October 1st which focused on lack of job opportunities and basic services and corruption within the government. Iraqi security forces have used live ammunition, tear gas, and stun grenades against unarmed protesters, killing more than 280 people. The White House press secretary said in a statement posted by the U.S. Embassy in Baghdad, the United States joins the U.N. assistance mission to Iraq, calling on the Iraqi government to halt the violence against the protesters and to fulfill 
President Salil's promise to pass electoral reform and hold early elections. Iraqi leaders agreed on Sunday that electoral reforms should give more young people a chance to participate in politics and break the monopoly on power of political parties that have dominated the state institution since 2003, according to Iraqi state media. That's it for affairs around the world. I'm George Ventura, and you can find me on Jorge Ventura TV on Instagram and Ventura Report on YouTube. Looks like that's it for today's newscast. Thanks for listening. Go to scribernews.com for more reports, where you can also make a donation to support free speech media. Follow us on social media at Scriber News to stay informed. All music in this podcast was produced by Il Ali.